Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security Confidential. I'm Manoj Tandon, your host, and today we are honored to have Ilya Bodner join us. Ilya has changed the way people buy, sell, and think about commercial insurance. He is a startup insur- uh, enthusiast and an insurance tech pioneer. He's the founder and CEO of Bold Penguin, a rapidly growing tech company based in Columbus, Ohio. Ilya's career started on the front lines as an agent. And he has been on a mission to upgrade the industry through one successful startup after another. Recent recognitions include Executive of the Year by BizTech and Best in Biz, People's Choice Innovation Leader of the Year by the Insurance Innovation Awards and Columbus Business First 40 Under 40 Class of 2019. Thank you for joining us, Ilya. Thank you for having me on this. Uh, Really fun to be doing this from uh, my room that I call my office, uh, knowing that we're not too far apart here in Columbus, Ohio today. Yeah. And uh, to our listeners, full disclosure, uh, yeah, Bold Penguin, Ilya's company is also a client of Dark Rhino Security. So um, just keep that in the back of your minds and we let everybody know. <laughs> so Ilya, there's so much, uh, so many questions and I know we have such limited time, but I guess the most a couple things that I'd love to understand from you is you started life in Russia. So starting from Russia to the CEO of Bold Penguin, give us a little uh, background on that journey. Sure. How did, how did it come to be? Sure. Yep. I definitely will give you an abridged version because um, it's a long and complicated story, but to say it in a few sentences, uh, so in 1993, we immigrated here from Uzbekistan, which was part of former Soviet Union. It's just easier to say Russia than, uh, rather than all this. And um, I went to uh, school here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, you know, we came with very little uh, as a family, but America is the land of opportunity. And uh, it's been amazing um, to go from what I call rags to riches and uh, not necessarily monetarily, but just quality of life and all that comes along with it. So, like I said, moved here in 93, got into insurance. Um, you know, everyone had a job. We had a job. Um, I realized uh, I went to the Ohio State University, too, which I think the the part was very important at that time. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, to pay through college, uh, a lot of what I did was run a uh, food truck outside of the football games a little known fact about me but we sold euro meat street meat and uh, you can't believe the kind of money you can make on one game in fact uh, doing it for six games was enough to pay for a whole year's worth of uh, uh, tuition and uh, those were the <laughs> couple you of gotta years. be kidding me yeah no no it's, it's amazing <laughs> what people pay for hot dogs especially after uh, after the games Um, and so we, um, uh, I've never been to a football game, but, uh, that's a side story. I figured out that, um, you know, uh, I really wanted to live the American dream. I really wanted to become something and have my own business. And a lot of the male figures around me had their own businesses. My, one of my uncles had a cab company. Um, and drove cabs. Uh, my dad had a sewing machine that upgraded that to company. So it was just kind of a thing that I wanted to do. And so knowing that I got into insurance and that was my destination, I started dabbling with the tech side of it. 
And one thing led to another, started companies, met a co-founder, which I'm sure we'll talk about in greater detail, um, but had a couple of what I call home runs that allowed me to build self-confidence to do what I always wanted to do. This is the, the land that you could be whatever you want to be. And so it's been amazing to um, have the encouragement of a small town like Columbus. Uh, we joke about how you're always three coffees away from just about anyone you want to meet. Uh, a great education, great background, right. and certainly the space to figure it all out. Uh, and like I said, that's just the shorter version of that story. There's a lot in between. Yeah, I, I mean, we can, uh, there's several uh, points that we could go down there. Uh, and, you know, one of them, you me you mentioned uh, a co-founder. Who was, uh, who did you uh, meet up with and how did that evolve your journey? Sure. So Bull Penguin has a couple of folks that are co-founders because we brought a few smaller startups together uh, at, at one point. But the person I'm referencing in this particular example is Ben Clark, uh, who's a co-founder of Bull Penguin. And um, he uh, also is an Ohio State graduate. Uh, Columbus has a small entrepreneurial scene. It's actually growing, which is fantastic. And I don't know if your audience is all Central Ohio or not, but it's been really amazing to watch it evolve over the years. The time that I'm talking about is circa 2005. It's really tiny. Um, and you sort of know the 50 to 100, 150 characters that are mixing around doing something. And Ben was one of them. I was one of them. And I'll never forget the caribou coffee that we both got, which is no longer there. Um, we talked for a couple hours about yeah. world domination plan and figured out that we could kind of jive together. You know, picking a, a co-founder or somebody that's in the foxhole you're in the foxhole with for a while is very difficult. And I encourage everyone to think twice, three times, four times about that. It's um, a lot of ways harder than marriage uh, because you're doing so much uh, together. Um, and so anyways, uh, so yeah, he was an Ohio State graduate. Uh, Columbus has really blossomed since then, the startup scene, um, which has been fantastic to run. I'm sure there's still you know circles and cycles of people that know each other uh, and everyone's pretty homey. You can get plugged into that. Um, he and I came out of that and uh, we had a couple businesses together and Bull Penguin is the one that we really hit our stride. We both knew each other's strengths and weaknesses and had a sometimes a lot of times finish each other's sentences well i'll tell you that i can uh, personally empathize with that because uh, at dark rhino we have uh, two other co-founders and uh, a partnership as you said can be challenging and in more ways than in more ways than one and and it really uh requires a lot of give and take and and uh, for us you know I, I guess to make a great rock band it's not the individual talents that count it's how everybody synergizes together and that is uh that's the gist of it and it's not an easy thing to do uh, yeah, yeah i spent a lot we had of our own trials and tribulations there i'm sure i'm sure i have one point to make on that we, and we can go the direction of your interviews uh, questions um, like what you said, um, it's not the individual talents, how the band comes together. I would say that anyone's listening and considering and thinking about, and it doesn't have to be like starting a company, but a partner in a project, a partner in a customer or a scope or an initiative or whatever. Um, if that other person or people, if you feel like they're elevating your game, then it's a good thing. If you're not feeling it 
after giving it a, an honest try and searching for it. And it's probably not the best partnership. And I'm sure you're feeling it too, where once you get together, you're each helping build each other up. And it's one of those two plus two equals five scenarios. Exactly. Uh, and I'll tell you, I know in our case, we did have some mistrials with partnerships. And um, I, I chalk it up to lessons learned. And when you start a business, anyone that's listening out there, if you don't make any mistakes, I don't believe it. Uh, you, <laughs> you are going to make mistakes and uh, at various levels, including your partners at times. But the trick there is, is to uh, know when it's a mistake and end it quickly and move on. Right. And, you know, uh, I think I read, I can't remember where I read this, but I, I, there was a quote from you and it, it goes to the effect of every business needs to have three legs to a stool. You need to have an idea, you need to have capital, and you, have, and you need to have great people running it. Those are the three legs and all three have to be about the same size. Now, in making that statement, Columbus comes to mind, especially in the time in which you started the company, it's not San Francisco. And um, we don't view Columbus as having the capital or the tech resources, the people, uh, the, the monies to create that environment. Yet you have been highly successful and to a large degree, um, uh, along with several other entrepreneurs have put Columbus on the map when it comes to startups. Why did you stick to Columbus? Why didn't you, why not the West Coast? Yeah, I think this is one of the only times when someone read back a quote about me. So I'm getting chills just thinking how cool that is. I can't, did I say all that? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Apparently, I'm kidding. Yeah. or I, I, I'm glad that unless you, uh, the journalist who wrote that article. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Three Likes of Stool is something I've been saying for a really long time, and I, I firmly believe it. Um, you do need uh, capital, people, an idea, and they all have to be just about the right size uh, to make it work. Because if you have a good idea and bad people or good idea and not enough capital or all the capital in the world, but just the wrong team executing on it, you're dead on arrival. And so um, to your point, I think I heard a couple of questions in there. So I'll work backwards. There's, there are. Yeah, Please. I'll work backwards from there. So on the matter of capital, yeah, I mean, the truth is, especially in tech, there's only one game in town. Uh, and that's kind of sad that it's only one, but that's the truth. I've had to go to the coasts. Uh, anyone that's been semi to very successful had to do the same. Hopefully that'll change. Uh, hopefully with enough uh, exits, there'll be uh, enough movement around uh, to change that. But it's it's one and it's only one. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I had to do. Now, why I choose to come back to Columbus, um, a number of things, and some of that is personal and, and, and a lot of that is business. Uh, what I said jokingly just a few minutes ago, where in Columbus, Ohio, you're three coffees away from anyone you want yeah. to meet. That's very special, very special. That's not the case in many other uh, cities, big or small. I mean, you really can talk to just about anyone you set your mind to. And they're great people that are opening. And even if they don't have the time, they'll pass you on to someone that can. And uh, that kind of mentorship, that kind of connections network uh, is, is, is really, really special. So that's what kept me in Columbus. And there's so many companies here. It's, it's successful. Oh yeah. We've become, we just recently, we recently just put out a video on uh, Columbus as a Mecca for startups and 
So it's come a long way, but it's the likes of you folks who have. Well, it's all, it's always been the case, you know. We it's something in the water, you know. If it's Wendy's from whenever that started and that became an empire, fast food or you know limited brands and apparel or you know a little bit of a tech burst that we're in, whatever it is, it's uh, you know the gift that keeps on giving. Um, the other thing is, uh, if you have to run around the country as a business, which many of us does either literally or or uh not so literally columbus is a great um kind of semi-central place that's not that far from a lot of different things um you're a driver a short flight away from anywhere um well a lot let's just put it that way uh so that's neat cost of living you know i talk to people that pay 50 dollars a square foot in their crappy little office some outside you know under in dumbo parts of new york um, right. where they can barely get to here you can get a freaking castle built for you for you know 30 40 50 all in uh it's quite a nine day difference <laughs> uh same thing goes for people you know a, a good staff uh, software engineer uh, or any kind of position uh, is a click lower here and people are comfortable as opposed to somewhere else now, of course, we, we have a shortage of great people, just like any other good and growing city right. um, has, and uh, imports and implants are, are good for Columbus, but uh, there's enough going around around here. On the personal side, it's it's a great place for a family, um, I believe. You it know, you, you have, we have everything in Columbus. Sure, it's not, you know, as abundant as you would walk down Manhattan, but if you if you know what you want, it's it's here and it's good for family and it's convenience and convenience matters a lot, especially when you're trying to work uh, at growing a company. Um, so those are kind of the high level reasons. I'm sure everyone's heard of this in some shape, way or form, but it's worked really well for me. And again, I'm an immigrant. I don't, I don't have anything that's tying me to Columbus or didn't. I've, I've gotten to embrace the city and, and love it. Uh, so uh, it, it works really well. So, you know, um, I, I'm personally in Pittsburgh, even though my company, uh, we're based out of Dublin, Ohio, and I end up in Dublin quite often. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed here in Pittsburgh, we've had uh, a lot of startups, but when it comes to VC funding, the VCs typically end up requiring those folks to move to Boston or over to the West Coast. Um, you somehow uh, avoided that is there any lessons learned in working with VCs that you could share with the rest of us? Sure. I actually have a couple of real examples of where, unfortunately, I had to pass on them or they had to pass on me uh, because um, of that. Of that. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's a little unique to Bull Penguin um, because we're an insure tech and our customers are big insurance companies. So anytime a VC tries to pull off with me that, you know, access to talent or whatever, I get to say, well, I'm literally a rock throw away from four, five, six of my biggest customers. There's literally a street downtown Columbus where you can walk on and hit two, three, four insurance companies one after another. That's very headquarters, by the way. That's very rare and unique. And so that that's for us, you know, B2B um, sales model, customer model um, that being closer to your to your clients is uh, is an asset. In, in my mind. Uh, the other part of that is um, I don't want to move because I do think I can hire people 
better here and we have a value prop um, that is unique to the Midwest um, where I think we can get lost with the rest in other big cities and I was very firm on that. And all the other reasons I just mentioned where uh, it's easy to get in and out of an airport when that was still a thing if you remember that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, uh, quality of life and the kind of people you can get along the way. So, so, so you so yes, uh, I would say that if in a different industry or at a different stage in life or in a different uh, quote unquote need for capital category that we were in, it probably makes sense for those folks to get a little closer to, to the VC so they can drive to you or knock on your door and get to know you a little bit better. In our particular case, there were so many pros that we made into pros that could be seen as cons. Um, that made a lot of sense for us. Oh, and, and you know, um, I'm bringing that up because I want the listeners to know that anyone who's contemplating starting a company or has a great idea, you don't necessarily have to move. We're seeing that like in Columbus. Um, you really don't. Sure tech. Yeah, there's a convenience factor for sure to, to be a short drive away from the capital. And, and they're doing it because they want to, you know, get, get a little bit more comfort around their investment. So it's for all the right reasons, um, but it's certainly not not a absolute must have 100% the case every single time. Ilya, talk to me a little bit about how do you land your first customer? That seems to be every entrepreneur's uh, first major hurdle they have to come up with. You know, you have a great idea, start a company, now you take it to market. You got to get that first paying customer. What are your thoughts on that? How what was your experience? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's actually very relevant. I was just talking about this the other day. Once you figure out that you, the three legs of the stool, you have the capital, the people, the idea. And by the way, you know, capital is, is relative. You, you don't need tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for every start, you know, company you're starting. You could do with 50,000, 100,000. There's just different levels to a company at different stages and in different industries. Um, so whatever that amount is and whatever that team is and whatever that idea is, you have to kind of line it all up. Once you figure that out and think you have a decent shot at it, I believe that the most important thing that makes or breaks a, a, a company is their first customer. Now in B2B, of course, the first customer is could be quite literally one customer. Uh, in direct-to-consumer, the first customer is likely a persona, right? The 26-year-old single female whatever whatever you're selling um so getting that right is important so i'll just kind of bucket it like that and getting that first client is not only hard and important but also the most time consuming thing that will continue to be the most time consuming thing for any company because the first customer doesn't buy the product Products never develop by the time the first customer is ready. The first customer is buying you or the idea of you. Yep. They're buying into you. If it's B2B, again, they're trusting that you are going to do what you said you're going to do. And you have an early concept or an early idea or a V1 or an MVP or whatnot to iterate off of. If it's in direct to consumer, they're buying you that this, this whole idea that this product will be this coolest, life-saving, you know, transformative better than sliced bread kind of uh, thing. 
and then you're going to take them into the promised land. And so selling yourself and packaging that story um, is quite tricky. And that's something you have to live with. It takes a lot of convincing, takes a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. And it's something that doesn't go away either. So you have to do it um, knowing that you're going to live with the consequences for an extremely long amount of time. How do you do it? It's obviously different for yeah. different businesses. In the story of Bull Penguin, uh, we quite literally had to drive around and meet with over 300 potential customers just to get the story right. We, we wrote a little blog entry on that. And then when we were done with that, um, we had to camp out in a parking lot of a major corporation just to say hello to the what we thought on paper was the guy uh, that was in charge of the, that, that department. Uh, and then the rest of history, so to speak. So you have to really go out of your way to sell the story and um, just look a person in the eye, uh, make the promises and live with them. Uh, and again, it's a little different with direct consumer, but the same idea, um, a lot of hard work. I, we would, uh, I would personally, and I think we, all of us at Dark Rhino would echo those same thoughts. It's a very difficult thing, and you just you have to knock on a lot of doors. And I, and I would add, you know, our CEO uh, Kevin always says uh, you have to bet on the come, and that is, you know, yeah, always believe in the future, and and you have to have a strong faith in yourself in spite of what people may say or do. Stick to the plan, yep. and uh, eventually that passion will pay off. So, so I imagine that your first customers were not these stoic organizations like Nationwide or Motorists or Progressive. Um, they were the smaller companies, or am I wrong in assuming that? You're wrong on that, um, but uh, that should be the case. Okay, so we had a lot of uh, I, I, we had a lot of what we call first customers that got us to buy different various parts of the product, but uh, what we say our first big customer, the one that really shaped us. Uh, was a large institution uh, and it took a lot of careful work. Um, so maybe that's that's another little, uh, if you click in a little further, you don't just conquer Mount Everest, right? You got base camp and you got camp one, camp two, camp three, foothills of the mountain. Um, we did a lot of that prep work and getting to different base camps before we were going to take on, bring it on a major first customer. Um, did a lot of trial and error. So maybe that, that was your point uh, as well along the way. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, uh, in, in our cases, looking for that, you're, you're exactly right. You have to find someone that believes in you and they're not buying the product. They are buying you. Uh, but um, we had to find that visionary. And in our case, it was a much smaller organization, but uh, we didn't start off at the very top of the food chain, if you will. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so with a name like Bold Penguin, I got to ask this. I've always been curious. How, where, what's the origination of it? Oh, God, we don't have enough time for that. Not today. Oh, uh, I, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, but I'll give you a couple of uh, little sound bites around it. Um, it's, it, it really is a fascinating story. Um, you know, on a personal level, I just always wanted to name uh, uh, my company with some sort of an animal in it, um, you know, progress or um, 
Geico has their Gecko, Nationwide has their Eagle. Uh, there's just so many insurance companies that have some kind of an animal. And then I just felt like if we're going to be an in insurance, we should do something and the like. Squishy little penguin, everyone likes, but gets a smile on their face. So that just made a lot of sense um, <laughs> for us. Um, the other thing is um, really wanted to stand out. You know, there's a lot of tech companies that are just, you know, quite literal something techie or or super nerdy and super cool and fun like that. And that just wasn't a style. We wanted to really stand out. We wanted to have the purple cow. We wanted to, you know, have the name be said in a meeting and people are like, what? Is that, is that real? What is that even a tech thing? Um, and that's just the kind of the fun flavor we wanted to bring to the table. So this is all like in consideration. Um, one or two names, didn't want a funny misspelling. Um, wanted to do something that could build a culture around too. Uh, that you can have a lot of fun with the puns, the play on words, and um, could could just have a lot of a lot of a blast with it to shape the culture of the company. Uh, now, of course, Penguin came up, but Penguin.com is ridiculously expensive. So, okay, GoDaddy Search did help us uh, with their recommendations, suggest it, <laughs> and the rest is history, so to speak. Um, but watching you know penguins jump into the water from uh, an iceberg or whatever in the video. We saw that the first one actually jumps in, is actually pushed in, and there's sea lions and they could eat them. And when we're watching the video, we're like, oh, wow, that is one bull penguin uh, to go in there. And so we're like, yeah, that, that kind of stuck. Uh, and the rest is history, as they say. And we have a lot of fun with it. You know, we have daily waddles, not, not daily huddles. We have state of the glacier. Um, there's, just, there's just a lot of things we could do. You guys have capitalized on the name for sure, but it's a, it, it is a standout name. And, you know, and standouts, speaking of which, uh, you, as a tech company, you, you picked insurance. I, I got to tell you, you know, on the surface, insurance seems like a very boring area. Not very many people get interested about oh, or not just excited on the about insurance. How, was there something that happened with you uh, that was a personal experience that got you excited about the insurance industry? Sure, or? sure. Yeah, insurance isn't just boring on the surface. It's boring all the way around. Uh, but that's what's great about it. Um, yeah, I was an insurance agent. Uh, I got to know firsthand how that experience was a little messy. I've had a couple other endeavors into working with insurance companies to understand that like a lot of it is really messed up and boring and actually backwards because people made it that way. Now, now some of it is regulatory and that there's a lot of really good reasons, but a lot of it is just like mumbo jumbo piled on top of mumbo jumbo. And we wanted to fix that. Um, and to me, there's a little charm. There's a lot of charm into saying you're building the largest tech company no one's ever heard of. And so we wanted to do that in an industry where um, you could do that. And uh, sometimes the boring and sometimes the quiet and sometimes the complicated are the ones that are just making all the money. And that is the case with insurance. And so we were naturally drawn to that. Um, now we work in small commercial insurance, um, which is, you know, it's not like car insurance or home or whatever you see the advertisements on mostly, um, we help small businesses and we don't even have help them directly. We help the agents and the insurance companies, uh, have that experience be digital and not pen and paper. Uh, so there's just naturally got drawn to it because it's like, wait, I thought 
the adults had it all figured out by now. Yeah. Why, why doesn't, what, what do you mean it doesn't work like that? That's kind of weird. Why, why not? Um, and so we kind of, you know, we pulled that string and, and we landed with building an exchange. That, that's great. And for all of uh, our audience, uh, the caption I would put underneath that Ilya was willing to go where other people were not. And, uh, you know, for those uh, who are students of business, that is classic blue ocean strategy. So, yeah, and maybe go, you know, others may have gone, but I was probably one of the few foolish ones that kept going where most are like, ah, I'm turning around. This is just horrible. <laughs> well, persistence is a real thing. You know, how many entrepreneurs failed or stopped, I should say, and they didn't realize how close they were. Yep. Yep. To, to, to crossing the line. Right. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. sure there's a field of it. Now, do you see, um, uh, you know, we have seen at least on the cybersecurity side, uh, a lot of insurance companies are investing heavily into developing their own portals and their own products. Do you foresee that becoming a, a challenger for Bold Penguin or not so much so? Um, well, everything is a threat. And the minute you think you're out by yourself conquering the world, you're probably the sucker that's drowning. Uh, so we obviously look at all those things as uh, paying close attention to what's really going on. Um, you know, the, the the beauty of Bull Penguin is we went from an idea to sort of working to really working to now being implemented at every major insurance company across the country. So for us, we're operating from a position of strength and we just have to keep iterating, keep growing, keep taking care of our customers, keep evolving, et cetera. And there's enough inertia and a lot of amazing people that uh, push things over the line. Um, so we're in a unique spot to where we get to still act like a startup, but um, understand that if we just continue down the path that we've started, we will be successful. Um, now, that doesn't mean that something doesn't come out of left field and, and, and eat us. And so we're definitely looking at what's out there, who's doing it, how they're doing it. Um, how close are they doing it to us? Is it something that's on the edges or right in the middle? Uh, particularly in the cases of portals, that's an age-old classic problem. Every Everyone wants to build their own portal, every insurance company, every software company, everyone wants you to be, everyone wants the, them to be the storefront into something. Right. Um, so there's nothing new here. We, we build our business around a partnership model. Uh, so we kind of come in behind the scenes and say, hey, that's great. You build your own storefronts, build your own gate UI whatever, but you're going to have this one problem of this insurance connectivity. Uh, and this one problem seems on the surface, like something you could throw some developers at and, and solve, but it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And so let me convince you why you should use our SDK rather than trying to build it on your own. And that's kind of been our business. Oh, that's, uh, that's very cool. And that, that is a, if you will, a, a unique business proposition. It's a great, right. great value proposition. Um, unless the insurance carrier wants to get into that side of the house and probably typically if you can get it off the shelf, it's usually a lot cheaper to do. Cheaper and faster. And it works, it's faster and it works, it works a lot better. Yeah. I know I have uh, friends who are professors in computer science that will completely disagree with me and I'm sure we're going to get comments that will say, eh, <laughs> but uh, I don't agree with it. I just think buy it off the shelf. You're going to be better off. 
Yeah, build, buy, or lease. Uh, everyone always encounters that. And uh, in some situations, uh, one wins and others. It makes sense to be the other. So let me uh, switch a little bit since we are a cybersecurity show. So I'm gonna, uh, I'd like to ask you a question and some of these, um, do the best that you can with them. So do you believe cybersecurity is a business problem or an IT problem from where you sit? Yeah, and for the record, I'm completely out of my league when I answer these questions. I know. I can answer I, them perfectly fine. We have a, the one thing I should just say about Bull Penguin is we have a fantastic group of people who think about this all day long. And for a company our size, I'd say that's where we're probably the most mature and developed um, is uh, because it's an important topic and because insurance houses a lot of very sensitive data and it's clear, you know, you have a target on your back. Um, and so if you want like the real answers, the more technical ones, you should talk to Frank. Don't, I, I want the CEO's answer. Cause <laughs> sure. sure, sure. So, so my, my version of that is uh, it's a company problem. Um, I don't know if it's the business model problem, but it's, it's absolutely a company problem period, end of story. And uh, people are being extremely reckless with it. And I mean, extremely reckless with it. Um, and it's kind of wild to watch because even me, who's not a pro in this, like I know how to poke around the internet and screw some things up. And if I know that with like little to no um, uh, background in that, like I can only imagine what, you know, folks that spend 20 hours a day clicking around and doing a lot more than clicking around can do. Um, and so to combat that, you don't just throw money at the problem. You don't just say, oh, IT, here's a budget, go figure it out. Um, that was probably a way to do it back in the day to have it like go away, but it keeps coming back. So now um, uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. I guess I'm just worried no, and concerned you know, actually, about you're the answer, You're answering two questions at the same time. It kind of became anticlimactic now, but that that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. Um, it's scary what's happening. And uh, unfortunately, most companies are just unprepared and are being reckless about it. Not, not in, a, in an evil or bad way or um, just skipping the, over this one for some reason. So, you know, um, and they think that, thing... and they think that bureaucracy helps. Like they think that a bunch of forms to check the boxes and put your vendors through uh, solves it. It's just kind of fascinating. They're like, oh, we have an IT security check. It's the spreadsheet of 80 questions. What version of Microsoft do you use? It's like, what? Oh, are you kidding God. me? You know, so um, yeah. You know what? I, I kid you not. You went right. Uh, those were questions 11, 12, and 13 on my. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen this list, so that's funny. Yeah. That, no, you um, uh, absolutely. Because, you know, one of the thoughts was what's your thoughts on cybersecurity and SMB? And you're absolutely right. I think people are being very reckless with it. I also think that. Um, you know, companies don't worry. Their business is not cybersecurity. Their business is doing whatever it is that they do to to make revenue. And I, I think the market hasn't been addressed in a fashion uh, that allows a small medium business to be a consumer of cybersecurity services. And that's been the thing that we've been trying to do to, to make it a, a simple 
to use solution offering that provides a, a deep defense in depth strategy and approach and the, the client can then go on with their day and do what they want to do. But we haven't seen that be the typical case in our industry. That is well, I also, yeah, I also wish there was an easier way to do it as a small business, small, medium sized business. The problem is like, no offense to you guys, a dark rhino, but like we literally have a person that knows and speaks your language and can figure out where you guys need to spend time on. Not, not every company has that. Um, so, you know, there it would be a magical if like there was a button you press and everything else is figured out, but I know how unrealistic. Well, that stay is. tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for that one. And you know, the other thing with cyber insurance and I was, you know, we have not seen that cyber insurance truly get tied to effectivity of controls. You know, we now see like progressive uh, uh, putting out, if you plug this little gadget into your car and we watch your driving habits, uh, we'll lower your premiums because we know you're a safe driver. We don't see a version of that with cyber and in the cyber insurance marketplace. Do you think there's a place for that? Or is that just a totally crazy idea? Um, maybe, maybe if we like peel back a little bit, maybe, um, the problem is like consumers aren't ready for that. So you probably have to figure out a way to educate it. Um, maybe, I mean, look, it's like insurance. Like no one wants to think about it. Like how much does this cost? Does this cover me? Great. Like, can you please not bother me unless we need to talk about something? Um, that's probably the attitude you should be coming from that most people are already at. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how to get through that. I haven't given enough thought. Uh, it's something that uh, we've been pushing. Uh, it's an idea that, you know, cyber insurance should work with uh, companies and potentially providers of those controls to, to really look at, you know, how these risks factors come down. Um, and, and that should correspond to something uh, for either the carrier dropping their premiums or providing a more premium product or because ultimately their payouts will be a lot lower if their clients are more secure. That's the thought anyways. So let, let me, we're getting towards the end of this. Um, how do you see the insurance sector evolving? What are your, what does your crystal ball say? Well, yeah, I, I'm not the expert in that either. I, I'm uh, just happened to lie arrive at a, a party that keeps on kicking. Um, you know, there's this uh, relatively new, about five years now, term called InsureTech. Uh, it's this convergence of insurance and technology. Something similar happened to FinTech and banking, uh, financial services and, and technology. And so, um, yeah, the writing's on the wall. The insurance is going to be more digital. It's one of the areas that you know, always is right next to your cable company. Uh, customer satisfaction, you know, very low up down there. Uh, so technology is here and is helping. And so for a little while, we're going to be living in a world where everything's getting an upgrade and getting more and more digital. And that's going to continue. Insurance isn't going away. You know, people in it isn't going away. It's definitely morphing to be more of a Amazon-like experience, but it's got a long way to go. And it's such a massive space, massive, that it's going to, oh, yeah. it's going to be a while before... Um, something like fully transitions into the new. And my last question to you is what does a startup enthusiast do once 
you've had a successful launch of a company and have achieved great success. What does a startup enthusiast do was the question. I get to personally be in a unique opportunity right now. Uh, and I realize it's a unique opportunity and um, feel very special to have it and working on it where we get a second bite at the apple. We get to continue building Bull Penguin. And that's sort of part of the deal. Myself, my partner, and uh, the team that comes along with it is we uh, are here to stay for a very long time. And this time around, we know what we're doing. So as we continue to grow, we're entering the second chap second uh, phase of what we're doing. I get to continue to work on upgrading Bull Penguin as we continue to double and triple in our growth itself. Uh, so I get to work on all the things that I wanted to work on. And this time around, I know a little bit more of what uh, I'm looking for. Uh, so the day ranges from customers, staff, culture, uh, finance, legal, um, you name it, just focused on all the different aspects of the business. So it's set up to continue to grow. Fantastic. Uh, and before we let you go, we'd love for you to uh, any plugs you want to get in? Do you have any appearances, books, uh, any shows appear uh, that may be going on? Anything that you'd like to plug whatsoever and let our listeners know about? Yeah, no books, no shows, no no road shows of any sort. I'm stuck on uh, working in this uh, little room on Bull Penguin. Um, we're uh, going and growing. We're constantly hiring. So maybe the one plug I can give is Anyone that is interested to learn more what we do or join a kick-ass team and a kick-ass product, uh, give us a call. You know, some of the jobs that we're always very interested in are not on our website. Um, as you would imagine, you would need to talk a little bit more in depth on that. Uh, but if you have some kind of a superpower or want to join a company that's really conquering a boring old uh, space in a very fresh, fun way, um, please reach out to us so we can have a conversation about where, uh, where we could uh, use your superpowers. Well, Ilya, thank you very much for that. And thank you for joining us. Uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Cool. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.